0: So I started writing when I was about four, and I had a story. I was in kindergarten when I was four, and I had a um, a story published in the school paper. It was called Eric's Spooky Halloween. <laughs> That's all I remember about it. Uh, awesome. But it was published way back when, and then I loved reading and writing. And then again in middle school, there was this big contest with um, this big newspaper. My hometown, Springfield, Massachusetts, they're Republican, and they're the big daily out there. And uh, they had this contest for kids to write an article about someone they admired. And I wrote a story about the woman that helped my stepfather find his biological parents. This is what she did for a living.
1: And welcome to the Storytellers Network Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. In this episode, we talk with writer, creative mastermind, and project slayer, Danielle Rhodes. She's currently a content marketer for the marketing and branding agency, Impulse Creative. Danielle has also worked in journalism and was a writer in the creative department at Lego. Today, Danielle shares with the Storytellers Network her unique take on storytelling and her story. And before we get into today's conversation, just a reminder, you can find us online at storytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, how to contact us, and for other resources to help you tell your story. And if you like what we're doing here on the show, please consider leaving us a review uh, and a rating that helps us reach new storytellers. Thank you to Podcast Pilot and Casterly for supporting this podcast. If you want experts on this whole world of podcasting, like how to start your own show, talk to the teams headed up by the legendary Jamie J. and Sarah Parrish. Now, let's get to the stories. So yeah, thanks for joining us today, Danielle. I'm so excited to hear your story and your storytelling craft. So appreciate you making the time today.
0: Welcome, excited to be
1: here. Cool. So let's uh, let's start with where I, where I like to kind of begin is the idea that storytellers and, and writers in particular uh, can be anywhere in the world. If you're a movie maker, you might be in Hollywood. If you're uh, an artist, you might be in Nashville, or, or a musician you might be in Nashville. Uh, but but you truly can be anywhere. So where are you geographically in the world right now?
0: I am in North Carolina, and uh, my employer is in Fort Myers, Florida. So location doesn't matter. I've been all over the country as a writer, and it rarely matters where my clients are. (laughs) I
1: love it. I love it. Now, you clearly see yourself as a storyteller. So where does that story for you begin?
0: Oh, Wow, uh, as in your personal story?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, when did you first realize that you were a storyteller? And obviously, you know, we're talking about writers this first season, but you know, in your in your bio, uh, visual, it's writing, it's everything. So where did where did you kind of realize, like, you know, what I am a storyteller. This is what I do because this is who I am.
0: Uh, so there's a couple of moments that really define that. Uh, so I started writing when I was about four. Um and I had a story. I was in kindergarten when I was four and I had a um a story published in the school paper. It was called Eric's Spooky Halloween. <laughs> That's all I remember about it. Um uh, but it was published way back when. And then um I loved reading and writing. And then again in middle school, there was this big contest with um, this big newspaper, my hometown, Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, They're Republican, and they're the big daily out there, and uh, they had this contest for kids to write an article about someone they admired, and I wrote a story about the woman that helped my stepfather find his biological parents. It's what she did for a living, was back down the biological parents of adopted kids. It's a really cool job. On top of that, she had disabled kids, and... The, the tracking down the parents was a hobby for her. She worked full-time as a teacher. So she was just this amazing woman. And even at 12, I kind of recognized all that she was juggling. So I wrote this story about her. And um, I I won the freaking contest. Yeah, out of thousands of kids. And they took me... I remember they pulled me in a music class and took me in the hallway. And they said... Um, did anyone help you with this? Like, we need to know. And, and, like, it was the first time of many in my life that I was accused of plagiarism. Mm-hmm. And I cried and it scared the crap out of me. Uh, but yeah, um, I got published. I won 50 bucks, or maybe it was 100. I still don't think I've been paid as much for a single newspaper article since.
1: <laughs> yeah, j- journalism doesn't pay, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: What? I ended up going on to work for that newspaper as as a reporter, and was part of a really big um, award they won from the AP. So yeah, I think Pretty those cool. two moments—it was never a doubt. that's what I was supposed to do. It's just yeah. that's what I am. So what
1: well, you are, your core. I love it. You know, I, I had um, sort of a similar thing where I, I was almost accused of plagiarism on a story I'd written in college. We had to do a, a a short story based on Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And so I wrote one called Worms, real original. But uh, the yeah, the way I wrote it, she, you know, the professor came back and said that same thing, and I same thing, like, oh my gosh, what is that a compliment or is that, are, you know, are you saying I, I shouldn't be that like, what, what does that mean? Yeah, I totally understand.
0: <laughs> just second guess yourself your whole career. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally do. Um, what do you love about telling stories in whatever medium that you're in? What's what's what moves you about storytelling?
0: Oh, gosh, I think it's just the ability to, you know, to paint a picture, to to really say say whatever it is you want and to have the time to think about it rather than someone like an extrovert who's out in front of people and um, you know, maybe doing like what you do and talking, you know, live to people. That, that kind of terrifies me. But to be able to think about what I want to say... And just really uh, make people laugh or cry or, or feel however I want them to feel. It's a really cool ability.
1: And so on the flip side of that, Danielle, what's the biggest challenge in storytelling, do you think?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, it depends on what you're writing. Hmm. Right now, most of my work is... You know, almost everything I write is for clients. So they are the biggest challenge, really. <laughs> I mean, you're you're trying to figure out what they want to say and then say it in the way that they want you to. So it, it's a puzzle. But if I'm just writing on my own, probably just the blank page. It's just getting started. I heard, um, I heard that there's nothing more intimidating than a blank page.
1: And is that true for you then too? Does that intimidate the hell out of you?
0: It does, unless it's like my, my nine to five, Hmm. unless it's just work. And then that journalism mindset kicks in. And I thank God I started my career in a newspaper where you just had to get going. Hmm. So you, you just start whether you have anything or not.
1: Yeah. And what's the difference? So, you know, looking over your, your career, looking at your, your highlights and everything, you're a writer, but you're also, I'm seeing a visual storyteller, right? Um, What's the difference between visual storytelling and actually writing for you?
0: Oh, um, hmm. it all kind of... For me, it's all gone together because the visual storytelling that I'm doing is more art direction for scripts and for photographers and for everyone that's going to take what I write and turn that into like a bigger piece. That's been an exciting thing in the last 10 years or so that I've done um, to be able to affect the visuals as well has been a really cool thing.
1: And so what we're talking about is your, your time at Lego um, as art director of editorial. What does, what does that mean on a day-to-day basis for anybody who's thinking about being a storyteller or they're already a writer? How does that fit into your whole world being an art director of editorial?
0: Oh, okay. So when I was at Lego for about, say, four and a half years, seven or five. Um, <laughs> my title is funny because the only reason I was art director of editorial is because they had this huge creative department and they only had one writer. And when she quit, they hired me. Uh, they didn't have in their big corporate structure a job title for editorial. Like, you know, you would start off as like an associate writer and then uh, the whole editorial spectrum of job titles. They just didn't have it. Mm. So I ended up being an art director. They had about... From 100 people, they had about... Gosh, 75 of them were designers. And then there was me. (laughs) So they just kind of gave me that title. But it it was everything. I did everything from... Uh, coming up with initial concepts for new lines of um, new lines of toys. You'd have a couple of toys and you'd come up with the initial story and pitch it to them. Um, writing the Lego Club TV scripts, writing animated scripts for teasers and trailers. Um, anything they would show at Comic-Con, writing those videos. Proofing everything that came out of the department. That's always a big part of it. Just being a proofreader. Do you do? I, yeah
1: everything uh, i'm terrible at proofreading so that <laughs> wouldn't be me <laughs> um you know obviously a, a job's a job and loving what you do is important but sometimes a job is just a job but when when when, for me anyway as somebody who used to build legos and still does even if you know my 40s um what was that like working at lego was that just like a total dream job or was that kind of difficult because of the corporate structure what was that like
0: you know it was it was a total dream um I was hired as a freelancer, so they kept me there for a couple of years. And then I think along with a lot of other companies, they had to start hiring their in-house freelancers because they were just keeping full-time employees without benefits. Uh, So, I mean, the money was great. The, The people were great. It was just a wild place to work as far as the environment I had never seen anything like that. Um, Nerf gun fights and stand-up desks and Starbucks bars in every building. Um, flying you to Denmark. I mean, it was wild and it was a dream. I think after a while, the whole corporate... This is a big corporate machine and we're all just kind of cogs. It sets in like it does with anything. And I'm sure even people who work for Disney eventually <laughs> the magic starts to fade hmm. but um it was it was a really cool place overall
1: that's cool so so if you're a writer and a storyteller at your core how has your chosen field of writing in marketing affected or shaped your storytelling craft
0: oh sure um so you think more about how to be influential you're more on top of trends, which can say, what you can say, what's converting well, that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to think of myself as a marketer. I even still like... I, I butt heads with my boss about my job title. Uh, it's content marketer. And I wasn't even going to apply for it. But I read the description and it was basically just asking for a jack-of-all-trades writer. Uh, a lot of ad stuff, a lot of ad copy. So I still don't like to think of myself as a marketer, but what I do is is just writing with a marketing mindset. That's probably a good way of putting it.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's it's funny because I, I know Remington. I'm familiar with Impulse, and it's mm-hmm. and I can definitely see the the creative minds behind it just really really move things forward for clients. I gotta believe. So that has to be kind of fun to be able to change clients' worlds. I would guess.
0: It absolutely is. And it doesn't even have to be. I mean, we definitely don't have plans like Lego. I mean, it's, it's much more tamer, business to business services but to be able to take what they want to say so desperately and pull it out of them and put it out to the world and have it make money and make things happen for them. It's really cool. And they appreciate it so much. Um, yeah, that that's a really neat part of the job.
1: Yeah, sure. So, Danielle, how how do you see the different media platforms today? Whether it's you know writing and books or blogging, uh, you know, obviously social media is part of that. Video, public speaking, any kind of media, how does that affect story your storytelling personally?
0: How does that affect? Well, um, there are a lot of voices, Dan. <laughs> there are a lot more voices than there ever have been. So, you have got to fight to be distinct and to be heard in that kind of crowd because there's just so much noise. That's that's definitely a consideration. Mm-hmm. It's something I struggle with. I think all writers do.
1: And have you found anything that kind of helps you stand out in that crowd how you can get your story out more effectively?
0: And just being authentic. That's probably my big my big thing, um just be yourself. And you know, if you're me and you've gotta write for all these clients, you've gotta be them. Mm. So, and teach them how to be themselves. So people people are gullible, but not as much as you think. And we we're just inundated with all of these messages and stories all the time. People will listen if you're true and authentic and you have something nice to say. <laughs>
1: I love that I would just sit on that for a minute and think about that right authenticity be nice people people will read you I, I like that that's good danielle what What is your inspiration as a storyteller? Do you have a particular muse um a particular uh you know thing that you do every time you get ready to go tell a story or write? Do you have a you know a, a common practice or whatever or any kind of other inspiration What moves you
0: You know I don't have like a I don't have something I'm always turning to. I like reading. I read a lot of sci-fi. I read a lot of Tom Robbins, and uh, this is this is a whole literary sleeve. It's mostly Tom Robbins. Um, listen to a lot of NPR, but I don't know. I think I pay attention to things and pay attention to what moves me. And if I hear something, often it's the hilarious, offensive kind of wild things that i'm drawn to anything that makes you stop and think that's just fantastic if it makes me stop and think if i can replicate that or take a piece of that i can make other people stop and think and that's essentially what i get paid for
1: yeah and do you do you think that your journalism background affects how you look at inspiration you know some what I'm thinking is some some very creative types. That, you know, they. I have a muse. I always have to have my my candle burning or my bottle of scotch if you're Hemingway. Um, but but for you, is it just I just have to be inspired constantly because of the journalism thing?
0: Because of the journalism thing, I know that you don't need to be inspired. <laughs> mm. I don't need inspiration. Like, yeah, it would be great. In a perfect world, we just all walk around inspired to write all the time. But in the real world, you just have to do it. You just have to start. You have to get it done because you have a deadline or because you just won't finish it if you don't start it. So whether inspiration is there or not, you have to put pen to paper and get something down. That's what journalism has taught me.
1: that's That's a great thought. I love that. Um... If you think back on any of uh, the best stories out there, whether it's something you know uh, creative and fiction or something journalism, uh, journalistically wise, uh, that's not a word, is it? Journalism wise, anyway. Um, if you think of the best story, what is one word that you would use to describe what makes that story the best?
0: Oh, that's tough. Probably fun. For me, writing and reading is all about fun, and because we can choose not to, we could turn on the TV, we could do something else. We don't have to do any of that. Um, but if it's entertaining, um, it'll be it'll be captivating.
1: Good fun. I like that. So, uh, as a writer, as a storyteller, what is your favorite story?
0: God, that's so hard. <laughs> Across mediums? I don't even know that I can do that. Uh, My favorite book is Still Life with Woodpecker. And as far as stories, one of my favorite stories, I love David Sedaris too. Um, NPR, This American Life podcast. I'm sure you're very familiar. Mm -hmm. Squirrel Cop. Okay. Do you know that one?
1: I, I don't know.
0: It is one of their most famous stories, and uh, I listen to it all the time, and it cracks me up. It is uh, this hilarious tale of just what can go wrong on on the job for these two poor police officers who go to this house because of a noise complaint, or an animal complaint, and there's a squirrel, and they end up um, trying to be... um, brave and show off in front of the pretty lady who lives there and they end up destroying the house and disfiguring the husband setting the couch on fire the school gets caught on fire the house almost burns down this all happens within like 12 minutes it's just the way it's told and just honest and raw and so funny and just um self-depreciating this is great
1: Uh, Well, because guys want to impress the pretty girl. It always comes back to that in our stories, isn't it? No, (laughs) Yes.
0: It's like 22-year-old youth cops, and they were in way over their heads. and it's just a great story.
1: I have to check that out and share it with everybody for sure. Why do you think we as humans love stories so much, Danielle?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I think at the core of why we like stories is that we... We like to understand that we fit in with each other, and in places and situations. And we like to be able to relate to the world around us, um, whether it's our lives or our aspirations or the lives of people we know or things we struggle with. Everybody wants to know that they're they're not alone. I think stories give us the opportunity to connect.
1: That's such a great you know whether it's whether it's for for enjoyment and personal or whether it's that business side of it yeah that connection is so deep deeply ingrained in us isn't it mm-hmm. yeah how do you think um you know, we talked about media a little bit earlier and the noise of everything but how do you think that social media in particular you know whether it's 140 characters of twitter or 280 now um or 6 second vine videos or facebook live how has that social media affected sto- the craft of storytelling in the world today
0: Oh, I think it's really stretched people, um, pushed us and challenged us to be better, faster, flashier, more fun, uh, just up the ante at the competition and um, given us these kind of fun limitations. It's like, okay, well, if I, I know I can tell a story on this many pages. Can I tell a story in 30 words? Can I tell a story in a Facebook post? What can I accomplish, and how can I influence people in this tiny, tiny amount of space? Um, so that that's sometimes fun, you know. For I think for a seasoned writer, um, a challenge like that is is interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, what does making it look like for for you as a writer?
0: Oh. <laughs> This is a good one. Um, gosh, I think when I can control, like, I get, when when there are no more clients, when I'm the client, and when I can just be anything I want, you know, and I'm dictating what I get to write day to day. Also, in a cabin, isolated away from the rest of the world, would be great.
1: Spoken, <laughs> spoken by a true introvert, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Do you do you look around right now as a as a writer who's being paid, someone who's worked at worked at Lego? That's a big ego thing, right? Um, or an ego stroke, at least. Um, do you look at what you do as kind of? I think I've kind of made it to the next plateau. I mean, there's you're never done. I don't think. But have you looked around at any point and kind of thought, "Gosh, I, I think I kind of have made it."
0: You know, I've been doing this professionally full time since my first semester of junior college. When I was barely 18 years old, I um, was so working for newspapers. And at every point in my career, in every job, I think I made it. This is it. This is awesome. And that's how I know that I picked the right path and the right career. And in all the different things I've done marketing, Lego, Naming summer infant products, which I still see when I go shopping. And now that you know, my husband and I are expecting, it's kind of cool going shopping for, for things that I got to name. Um, newspapers, agencies, all of it has been so cool. And it's made me think like, this is it. I'm finally there. I'm excited to see you know where I go in the future if, if I'm so impressed. <laughs> with where I've been, or excited by it. All
1: right. Well, congratulations on expecting. Thank That's you. Awesome. Very much. Do you think that'll change your uh, craft of storytelling a little bit to be able to tell stories to your little one now?
0: Absolutely. I think Lego gave me a huge passion to write for kids. Nice. I had no idea how much fun it could be. Um, I've always kind of liked the, the offensive and edgy and hilarious. And got myself into quite a bit of trouble over that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, kids are great and they're a whole new challenge for a writer. Um, so I'm excited to see how that influences me and where I take that on a personal level.
1: Very cool. Well, good good luck on that next step in that path. Thank you. So Danielle, what's your favorite way to tell a story? Do you have a particular medium or platform uh, or way to tell a story that you really love?
0: um hmm. i don't know i think i think every way you tell a story has its own merits um i i love the short story you know give me about like five pages and also the opportunity to read those stories and the pacing that they were meant to be read is a really powerful thing and to experience people's reactions firsthand um, rather than kind of watching them over their shoulder, I think every writer has had that creeper moment. Like, oh, here, check this out, and then you just kind of like, watch them, you know?
1: <laughs> totally, totally understand that.
0: So, are you married?
1: Uh, I am. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, does your does your uh, significant other experience that, like, you kind of creeping over their shoulder?
1: I do. Anytime I give her something, I'm like, uh, what do you what do you think? What do you think? Yeah. And then her whole thing is, well, here's here's where you made a mistake. Here's where to edit. She's my editor. She's not... I mean, she, she loves what I do and she's a fan. But yeah, she, she's my editor. She doesn't care about the actual content.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yep.
1: Uh,
0: but you can't... You also... like. I also, as a marketing writer, just love one-liners. But in that tight, tight space, having to make an impact or call to action that makes people actually do something... That's really cool too. It's a fun
1: challenge. That's pretty powerful. It's it's cool to see what you write, whether whether well, like you said, it's call to action or some kind of a copy, um, a headline makes people uh, move right It makes them take that 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 action or whatever it is. That's really cool to be able to see those metrics. Yeah.
0: Taglines, one of the coolest things in the world
1: to write. Yeah. Well. Isn't it funny that you, you? I I sometimes look back at my career so far and I think, okay. I I wanted to write the great American novel, or I wanted to write a short story, you know, the like, like Shirley Jackson's Lottery, or something that moved people, right? But now it's like, you know what? If I can write a headline that makes people stop and go, oh, you know, my my favorite writing was literally two words. It was a tagline for a company that I used to work for. I just loved what the feeling that that it brought. What was it? uh, It was for a mortgage company. and It was simply Welcome Home.
0: There you go. I start my... I mean, I'm sure you experience this. We start our careers off wanting to write like um, The Tale of Two Cities. And here I am at 35. I would be psyched to write the next i Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Right. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. What, so, uh, so writing obviously is who you are at your core. But what is your passion? What drove you to this world of journalism and marketing in the next step? Do you have a particular passion that moves you in that kind of way?
0: Uh, I think just like seeing how I can affect people in that way. Even as a kid, as, when I was writing, it always amazed me because it came so easily to me that it, it always felt like I shouldn't be able to affect people in a way that I can, like a, like a magic power. Yeah, it still feels like that sometimes.
1: A magic power, I like that. That'll be good. My, my my oldest daughter is a big Harry Potter fan, so she'll she'll like that.
0: <laughs> we, we big Harry Potter fans here.
1: <laughs> I love it. All right, so Danielle, here's here's the the final kind of big question. I want to. I love asking everybody and see what what happens. Yeah. If you had the ability to only tell one last story, what story would that be?
0: Oh gosh. That's so tough. Do people have answers
1: to this? So far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends. You know, sometimes it's something very philosophical. Sometimes it's literally just the next story. I mean, it just, yeah, it could be, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you write. I mean, if you have a story that you love, if that was the only last story that you could tell, you know, it's just kind of whatever moves your heart. I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. I know. (laughs)
0: Wow. Um, I think, you know, if I had one more story to tell, it would probably be something about perseverance, particularly in situations where you don't belong. Every amazing thing that's happened to me, especially in my career, has happened by asking for forgiveness not permission putting myself in a situation where I had no business being and taking on way more than I should have uh, without anyone's permission and it always paid off for me tenfold um, so so something like that that's been the big lesson for me
1: inspirational and encouraging very I, I, that's fantastic Daniel So where can people find you? They want to connect with you. They love what your story sounds like. Where can they find you?
0: Okay. uh, So you can find me on um, Twitter uh, and Instagram. I'm uh, Rhodes, the writer, R-H-O-D-E-S. And um, I'm on Facebook, Danielle Rhodes. Uh, But yeah. Rhodes the Writer.
1: I'm on social. All over the place. Fantastic, Danielle. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today and giving our listeners something to think about.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much to our guest, Danielle Rhodes. Be sure to visit her online. You can find those links she mentioned in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing this all over the place. Share it on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, text, anywhere you can reach other storytellers is always helpful. And like I said, that ratings and review also very helpful. A big thank you to our partners here at the Storytellers Network. Thank you to Casterly and Podcast Pilot. We appreciate how much you make the world of podcasts a better place. Jamie, J and Sarah Parrish and the rest of the team are terrific humans, and you will be better off knowing them. Plus, without their support, the Storytellers Network would be just a dream in my head. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers.